Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, just a couple of verses. Verses that are probably well known to us, we've probably had explained inside out and back the front to us and all the history that goes back into the Old Testament and all that it means for setting Jesus up for his mission. I don't want to ignore that today, but I'm not going to talk about that. Luke 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Or you are my beloved son. I take delight in you or on you my favour rests. Now I've wondered if you've ever stopped and pondered what it was like for Jesus to hear those words as he came up out of the baptismal. What it was like for him personally. You see, he was flesh and blood humanity just like you and I. Let's just knock off this stuff about him being the perfect son of God in some way, but let's know too that he was a human just like you and I. I wonder what it was like for him to hear those words. What it felt like for him to hear the father of the universe say that to him and express his affection that way you are my beloved son i suggest to you those are the words that made an incredible difference to him as he launched into three years of tough ministry as he ended up on the cross that we've been talking about singing about You see, as I look at Jesus' life, I'm fully convinced that this moment of divine confirmation, you are my beloved son, I delight in you, was decisive for him. You're my dear church family at this point in time, as brief as it is. Dear friends, if there is anything I want you to hear this morning, it is this, that what is said of Jesus is said of you and me. It is said of us. The core conviction of my faith, something that rattles around deep down and is is just core to who I am in my pastoral work, is core to who I am when I do spiritual direction, is that the still small voice of God is saying to each one of us, you are my beloved sons, you are my beloved daughters, you are my beloved children, and I delight in you. And we need to hear this, not just there where you heard those words this morning, but we need to hear it right deep down here in our inner being, in our souls, in our hearts. That's where we need to hear it so that our whole life can be turned around. I want to point to just two or three scriptures at the moment. Ephesians 1 verse 4. I'm reading in the message. It comes out so beautifully there. Long before God the Father laid down earth's foundations. So we're going back a long way. 
He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. I don't know whether that just blows the socks off you. Long before it all happened, long before he did anything, long before he created, you and I were the focus of his love. And it was to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ, way back before the beginnings. What pleasure he took in doing it. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved Son. So we become the beloved in the beloved Son of Jesus. The apostle who was called the beloved disciple, Jesus, uh, John, the one we read about who lay his head on Jesus' breast, close relationship, he wrote this in 1 John 3.1, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And just to make sure we get it, he goes on and says, And that is who we are. Romans 8, that great treatise that Paul wrote about Jesus and the cross and life around the cross and so on. For you, in Romans 8 verse 14, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Very personal Abba is. A very personal name. No one else calls the Father Abba. Only Jesus. We get to call that out. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's an amazing thing. You are my beloved child, says the Father. And I delight in you. And the spiritual life is a life in which we gradually learn to listen prayerfully to a still small voice that says, You are my beloved child and my favour rests on you. I believe that the greatest spiritual temptation that you and I face is to doubt this fundamental truth about ourselves. I believe we face it moment after moment every day to doubt that this is who we are. And when we doubt the beautiful affirmation that we are the beloved of God, we begin to trust in other things. We look elsewhere to find our belovedness. So some may answer the question, who am I with? I am what I do. Check out that you're striving to run up the ladder at work, etc., etc. is not about trying to find some identity in what you do. Check out that you're striving to be the best of whatever else is not because you're not hearing the voice of the Father. You see, you know, when I do good things and when I have little successes in my life, I feel good about myself. But when I fail or stuff things up, then I feel a little low and down I go into some kind of depressive mood. I'm getting older. And sometimes I hear myself say I can't do 
as much as I used to. As I was out in the backyard with my son and his three boys playing basketball on Friday when they were over for a meal, I came inside to Sharon and said, I'm going to have to do some other kind of exercise. That was after five minutes. I can't, I can't do what I used to do as I get older. So what do I do? Point to the trophy cabinet to some things I did in the past? pull out my degree that says I've got a degree and a master's in theology? Do I pull out my degrees that says I was an ag scientist? What I did? That's all I can point to, is it? I did a lot of good things in my life. Or can I look at my children and go, look, 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 one of them's awesome. I did something good. Are you answering the question about who you are, I am, what I do? Others may answer that question with, I am what other people say about me. And that can be incredibly powerful. It sometimes becomes the most important thing about ourselves. And we couch our life trying to make sure that other people say nice things about us. I mean, if people speak well of you, you can swagger around with your head held high and feel pretty good about yourself. But when somebody starts talking behind your back or somebody starts saying negative things about you, you suddenly feel a little hurt and sad and down you go on yourself. I'm not so good. finished preaching here this morning and maybe three or four or five people might come up and say really appreciated that and give some good comments and someone might come up and say that was a load of as I drive home what do I remember that was a load of I might dwell on it see it's the power of the words of others and they can deeply cut into our hearts Have you not had the experience of someone saying something hurtful to you early in the day? That was a dumb thing to do, or you're stupid. And can really change the colour of your day, can't it? You take it with you into the day, and it can ruin your mood for the whole of the day with a whole lot of people who appreciate you, but someone said something that was negative. Some answer the question, who am I, by what others say about me? And yet some will answer that same question by, I am what I have. I'm an Aussie. My parents were kind and caring, I could say about myself. I have a good relationship with my siblings, the ones that are still alive. I have a pretty good wife. I have a good education. I have a nice and a beautiful home in the leafy suburbs of Perth up there in the hills. I have a caravan. I have three wonderful kids and eight grandchildren. I have a lot. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if, I, if who I am is defined by them, what happens when I lose one of them? My health might go. You know I've been on that journey. My house values drop by possibly 30%. Someone steals my caravan. What happens if that's what defines me? Who I am. It's very easy for us to invest a lot of energy into I am 
what I do, and the world will help you there. Just needs to give you a little nudge because you get there quick. It's very easy to invest a lot of energy into I am what people say about me. So we get cautious and all those kinds of things and don't live who we are. I am what I have. So we buy something we don't really want because we know that person there that we want to love us reckons that'll be all right. And so when, when we live like this, our, our life goes up and down and up and down. Sometimes it might stay out for a little while because you get a few nice things and you get a promotion at work and a few people say some good things about you. But then someone criticises you. You lose your house, you lose your job. And then you can stay down low and low if these are the things that define who you are. We want to hold on to our good name, onto what we do. We want to hold on to things. I say to you, this is not who you are. It's certainly not who I am. People praise Jesus. People rejected Jesus. People mocked him and spat upon him. People shouted Hosanna and the same people a few hours later were shouting crucify him. And all the time, Jesus lived out of this interior affirmation, I am the beloved of God. And his favour rests on me. What were his fine words from the cross that showed this? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. What was he living out of? His belovedness as the Son of God. Couldn't have said that. What did the devil say to Jesus after the Spirit had thrust him into the desert to be tempted? Turn these stones into bread. It's kind of like prove yourself by doing something. Jump down from the temple and let the angels catch you. You know, it's kind of like saying, they'll show you what they think of you. Kneel in front of me, and guess what? I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. It's kind of like, when you do these things, you will be loved, Satan is saying. And Jesus says, that's a lie. Well, he doesn't use those words. But that's a lie. I know who I am, he's saying, because before the Spirit sent me to be tempted in the devil in the wilderness, that same Holy Spirit came upon me at my baptism and a voice from heaven said, You are my Son whom I love and my favour rests on you. That's who I am, says Jesus in those temptations. I am the beloved of God and I'll live that way. Not sure that was very easy. That's who I am. I am the beloved of God. It can be quite difficult to hear that voice whispering into our inner being. I believe that one of the great spiritual tasks that we have, and this has come to me from all these years of pastoral work and, and other stuff, that one of the most needed spiritual task we have is to actually claim our belovedness to actually believe it and to live a life 
that is based on that knowledge. I am the beloved of God. It's not easy. It's not chicken feed. And in fact, most of us fail constantly to claim the truth of who we are. Even I do. As I said, I'll drive home remembering the one criticism until I wake up and go, hang on a minute. Maybe it's valid, maybe it's not. But that's not going to define me. I'm not that person's criticism. I'm actually not that person's praise. I'm actually the son of the God Most High who loves me deeply. That's who I am. We all know that there are many voices in this world that clamor for our attention. The voices can come from within us. They can come from people around us. They may even come from the enemy, from Satan, like they did with um, Jesus in the desert. And I guess those voices can be summarized by this. If you want to be loved, you'd better prove that you are worth loving. Get a nicer house. Climb up the job scale. Do nice things and treat me nice so I'll get you back. And as we listen to those voices, then we can move into self-rejection. Henry Nguyen, one of my favourite authors, said this, Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. Now this is the bit that I, I really want us to hear clearly. The voice that calls you the beloved is the first voice of love. It's the first voice. It's the first voice. The Father's voice is the first voice. John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, said in the Gospels and in the letters he wrote, Love, why? Because God loved you. There's a little word in there, because God first. Who is your first lover? God. What did we read in, in, in Ephesians? Before the foundations of the world were laid down, God the Father had set himself to focus on us all his love. Do we hear that? It's a great struggle to claim that voice, isn't it? I'm not talking about something that's easy here. I'm talking about something that takes our focus and more of that next week. But to claim that first love and then to live it. You see, look, the truth is that, <laughs> that we were intimately loved long before our parents, our teachers, our spouses, our children, our friends, our church family loved us. Do we, do we hear that? Long before we were loved by all of that, we were loved 
by the Father. We were loved lavishly long before we got to choose a career and do stuff to prove anything. We were loved lavishly before we accumulated things. Some of you know from your own experience that it's often those who are closest to you, your father, your mother, your siblings, your teachers, your churches, the ones who love and care for you who are also the ones who might wound and hurt you the most. I need to tell you that love and wounds are never separated. It's just par for the course. Love and wounds are never separated. We must claim that first love from before the foundation of the world or the wounding, the pain and the rejections that come our way in this world will move us toward self-rejection and finding out who we are somewhere else. If we can hold on to our belovedness in the living of our lives, then we'll be free to love others. We'll be free to care others. We'll be free to forgive other people. There is a great need for us to listen with great inner attentiveness to these words. You'll know they're all words from our God. I have called you by name from the very beginning. You are my beloved child and my favour rests on you. I have crafted you from nothing into something and shaped you in your mother's womb. I have carved you into the palm of my hands and I hold you safe in my embrace. I look on you with infinite tenderness and care and with heartfelt compassion. You belong to me and I belong to you. You are safe where I am. Nothing Nothing will separate us. Don't be afraid. Trust that you are the beloved. Because that is truly who you are. It's the voice I want you to hear. It's not a loud voice. It's the voice of intimacy. It comes from a deep, deep place. It's soft and it's gentle. I want you to gradually hear that voice. We both have to hear that voice and to claim for ourselves that that voice speaks the truth, our truth. It tells us who we are. That's where spiritual life begins, by claiming the voice that calls us the beloved. Unfortunately, I meet too many people who have a hard time believing that they are loved with an everlasting love. They've had a whole lot of rough stuff in their life and they struggle to hear the first voice. You're loved with an everlasting love. You're precious. You're of infinite beauty. You have eternal value in the eyes of the God who loves you. Those people who have a hard time believing that suffer from feelings of not being good enough, of not being valued, of not being wanted as they evaluate themselves in the life of the voices out there. You are what you do. You are what you have. You are what people say you are. It's how they start evaluating their life and life spirals down. 
They lose touch with the truth that they are God's beloved child, the voice of first love. Our preciousness, our uniqueness, our individuality are not given to us by those who meet us in clock time, chronological time. 5th of September 1950 was the beginning of my chronological time. Don't know when it is to finish there, but you've seen the dates put there and there's a little dash in the middle, isn't there? little dash. <laughs> what time goes before that and what time goes after that? The time of our eternal Father who says right here at the beginning, I love you. You're my beloved child. I love you with an everlasting love until everlasting. In the dash, that's the voice that we must hear. It's hard to claim our belovedness in chronological time, isn't it? I'm not speaking because I've got it right. I'm speaking out of the struggle of me claiming that in the little dash of my life, claiming the eternity of God's love. Look, if his love is focused on us before the foundation of the world and he says there's nothing ever going to be able to separate us from his love in Jesus Christ, we've got this eternity of love that stretches over us and just speaks day after day to us if we listen. You are my beloved. I'm going to take this on a bit further next week. I decided after the 27th draft for this week, whatever it was, to get across this simplest of messages. I want to talk a little bit more about it next week. But I want to suggest to you I think it would be good for all of us, but if you're really struggling to hear the voice that calls you the beloved, that every morning, before the day starts, you pick up this passage or two or three of the others I refer to and you sit with it for 10 or 15 minutes. Well, if you need your coffee in hand, do that. A cup of tea in hand. And sit with the Father and reflect on what it means that you are his beloved. Listen to the first voice. I suggest you don't do it just this week. I suggest it becomes a practice of your life so that it drowns out the other voices you have. Don't, don't expect to hear thunderings from heaven. If you do, well, I'll probably hear them up on the hill and celebrate with you. If you go, wow, God just thumped that message into my heart in a way I've never heard before. Wow, wow, wow. I'll jump with you. Remember, it's a still, small voice mostly that comes quietly and it comes as you sit with it over time, over time. And if you're anything like me, it's a constant thing of mine. 
Abba Father, I'm your beloved son is a phrase I just use so much during the day to remind myself of the first love. Sharon's love's important. My awesome son's love's important. But that's more important because it sets life. You know, once you and I have accepted the truth that we are God's beloved children, we are sent into the world to act and speak as Jesus did. You know what that's for all about? It's to help others claim their belovedness. <laughs> and I get so excited when I see people claiming their belovedness. <laughs> Keeps me going. Personalise this prayer as I pray it. Father, I belong to you. I am the apple of your eye. I am your beloved child. Thank you that you know all my fears, worries and imperfections, yet you call me your beloved. It's not what I do, but what Christ did for me. There is no greater love than that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Trudy.